This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Shaw. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon who's performed hundreds of procedures on NFL players and as the former longtime head team physician for the San Diego Chargers, Dr. Chow uses his insider knowledge to decipher injuries to a documented 95% accuracy level. He's the Sirius XM sports medical analyst and is quoted everywhere from Sports Center to NFL Live. More than 100,000 followers can't be wrong in following him on Twitter, looking for his instant insights on injuries during games. Now, Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. Post-week 13, pre-week 14, fantasy football playoff time for most people. And let's uh, welcome to the show uh, Greg Peterson, our producer. Hey, Dr. Chow. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, my friend. Yeah, it was good. Uh, got interrupted with the Amari Cooper uh, when he got uh, upended. We had just sat down to dinner. I got the side eye from the wife when I got up to... <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Any Dallas Cowboys fan was not having necessarily the best Thanksgiving in the world. Yeah, yeah. We'll cover Amari in a little bit. How about yourself? You guys uh, eat turkey uh, being from Wisconsin, or is it just different kinds of cheese? My girlfriend is actually someone that originated from the East Coast, so she lived more in like the Massachusetts, Rhode Island area, and then moved to Florida before coming to Vegas, so... We had turkey. We actually had some spotted cow beer, which that is a beer from Wisconsin. That's always a specialty. Macaroni and cheese, obviously, was there. Brussels sprouts. And we actually wound up eating Thanksgiving dinner at 12.30 a.m. on Wednesday since she was doing Thanksgiving with her family on Thursday in L.A. So it was actually tremendous. Oh, wow. That's cool. Good for you. Let's talk about football this week. Fantasy playoffs are here. Do you do much fantasy, Greg? I do not. I'm more into the sports gambling sort of thing. I really don't look at the individual players from a fantasy perspective. I look at more of covering the spread, things like that. No DFS stuff? Not for me. <laughs> you stay away from uh, from all of that. So this is You fantasy. go to where your bread is buttered. If you're a little bit unsure of it, don't put your money down on it. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, I think that's smart. I mean, unless you're just doing it for fun, right? The the casual a little bit of money here and there just to make it interesting. But yeah, I think you're right. You, you have to be an expert at it. And we'll talk about it with our special guest today. And specialization in the industry, there's just a lot of it, which is why, Greg, I always say I'm just an injury expert. I'm not a fantasy expert. I'm not a DFS expert. I'm not a gambling expert. I just do injury information. We uh, try and uh, stay in our lanes. We do have a a nice little tool here for people for uh, fantasy playoffs. I know it's coming late, but, you know, we needed to develop it. My teams, if you're a fantasy guy, you can go to profootballdoc.com, plug in your players on my teams, and you can do multiple teams, and then you can go to one page, and then you can see who's in, who's out, who might be hurt, all the information on one page to make selecting your starts a little bit uh, easier besides the field view uh, injury index. So we, we've got that little feature going for people in celebration of fantasy football playoff week. Myself, I don't really play <laughs> too many other things going on. Had a small family league that I ended up drafting, drafting half the uh, teams. You know, my kids were even littler at the time and I would make them hold up one or two fingers or say right or left or 
or blue or green, and that's how I would choose their players on who to sit and start. And some of them did okay. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, this time of year, besides turkey time and uh, fantasy football playoffs, is time flu and bug season here. Illnesses. My two year old was sick Friday slash Saturday. And of course, that led to uh, really more Saturday, which led to my son being sick yesterday. So my seven-year-old daughter will probably get it today, and then I'll probably get it tomorrow. That's <laughs> the way it goes. Is what hey, it is. I can tell you, I'm right now dealing with a little bit of a throat thing myself. It's going around. Yeah, and it goes around teams, too. And, and why are we talking about it? Well, first of all, teams do everything they can to prevent it. Uh, it may have affected the Patriots not making excuses for their loss. They haven't been... Look, they were ten and one going into the game, right? And that's not bad. And ten and two still isn't bad. But uh, they looked a little lethargic. First of all, teams try and prevent this. Uh, flu vaccines are offered to players. You can't make it mandatory. And we used to offer it, Greg, and nah, less than half third of the team would do it. But then uh, basically, the the guys with uh, children <laughs> would do it. But the rest of the team wouldn't. We'd have to get up in front of the team and encourage them and one by one explain to them the upside and so forth to get higher compliance. But teams still get it. And the Patriots this week had 17 players questionable, including eight on the defense, I believe, that were questionable due to illness. And a lot of people didn't practice. So here's the deal. First of all, if you're going to get, as we talk about illness and the flu bug, One of the principles, of course, is to, if you're going to get it, you don't ever want to get it. Prevention is the the deal, right? Getting the flu vaccine, et cetera. But the worst thing that can happen is it hits you on Saturday slash Sunday morning. That's what decimates a team. When you get it on Wednesday, you actually have a fighting chance because hopefully it will have passed. Yes, it can affect stamina and so forth. And the Patriots did everything they could. They sent people home to avoid it, to keep it from spreading. They even took two planes. First of all, the Patriots have their own, quote, custom plane, which is unusual. Most teams do not. It happens in baseball and basketball. Remember, they have smaller travel parties. In football, you're traveling like 150 guys. I get it. It's 53 on the team. But between the 25 coaches and different management personnel and then medical personnel and equipment personnel and, you know, occasionally some sponsors and uh, security. And uh, there's just so many people, operations people, PR people, etc. That's why it's over 100 people. That's why it's a pretty big plane, which is why NFL teams, especially since they only travel eight regular season games, add another two preseason and maybe some playoffs, you're looking at about a dozen dates, whereas a baseball or basketball team, you're looking at a lot of dates. Baseball, you know, there's a lot more travel. Basketball, there's a lot more travel. And the traveling party is a lot smaller. So the Patriots already do something unusual by having their own plane. But they actually, quote, took two planes down uh, because of, I think, the thought of recirculated air on an airplane and the risk of getting other players sick. So they had a quarantine flight, so to speak. And everybody played. Uh, Marcus Cannon got an IV during the game uh, to rehydrate. And some people might say, Greg, that they were lethargic and they didn't play up to standard and maybe it had to do with illness. I actually have a little bit of a different theory. 
the Patriots are obviously a, an excellent team and they're well coached. But believe it or not, I think that the Patriots need to practice more than most teams. I know that sounds unusual. They're a super well-coached team. But the Patriots, to me, week to week, do different things. Most teams morph throughout a season. But week to week, I think the Patriots morph the most one week to the next. Very situation and opponent specific. They're well known for taking away what the other team does best. And on Sunday night, they didn't really take away DeAndre Hopkins, which you would have thought they would have. And uh, maybe that has to do with lack of practice time. The defense has given up four passing touchdowns through the first 12 weeks of the season. And yesterday, they gave up four passing touchdowns. If you count the uh, Deshaun Watson touchdown as a reception, because it technically was a forward pass. Uh, although underhanded, they gave up four touchdown passes. Even if you called it three, that's uh, versus four through the first 12 weeks. So why does that happen? Well, obviously, Houston's a, an excellent team. And I'm not making excuses against the Patriots, but when you're quarantined away from the team, it's not like you're away from the team for practice. You're quarantined mainly to be away from the team during meetings. So you're not around the building or the locker room. So you miss meetings as well. So if you miss meetings and you're missing practice, it's hard to make those scheme adjustments defensively or offensively to take away what the opponent does best. Not only do you not get to practice it, you don't get to talk about it as much. I don't know. It's just a theory of mine. It's not the stamina issue with the illness with the Patriots. I think for them, because they morph so much week to week, the illness issue hits them a little bit harder. You like that theory, Greg, or you think I'm out on a limb there? I think it's a solid theory. I think that it's a little bit complex as well because I feel like there are certain areas in the country as well in which the flu hits at a different time because you've got warmer weather and colder weather too. No question. No question. It's just that, you know, I think the prevailing opinion of one theory why the Patriots lost, besides they're not as good this year, they're not explosive on offense. But I would argue that, you know, the defensive side is, I mean, the 28 points, they were not quite themselves. As much as you can say it was, yeah, perhaps they were a little lethargic from being sick, I think it has to do with the practice time. And it's not even just practice time with the guys, I mean, that weren't there. But if you're not, running through schemes and your defensive schemes and offensive schemes with your teammates who are you're going to play next to in a game, that changes things. Anyways, of course, I wasn't smart enough to, or nor am I a gambler where I would have put money ahead of time, but in telling casual friends in the profootball.com war room, it seemed like uh, I would have leaned towards the Texans for that reason, but I also would have leaned towards the under, but then again, that covered last second back door, the over. That was brutal. <laughs> Hit last second. Uh, I would have looked at our field view and injury index and said under. That's why you look at more than just the injuries before you you make any wagers. And that's why uh, if other- you hit like 60% of your bets, you're like a sports gambling god. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to be uh, much better than that. Um, speaking of gambling, did you hear about... The NFL player, well, sort of player, he's on injured reserve. 
John Shaw, the Cardinals. Oh, I certainly heard about that. He's been on injured reserve since August. He is now going to be suspended for all the 2020 season for betting on games. And from what I'm hearing, he really didn't have too much insider info or anything like that. He just went to Vegas, made a couple bets, and boom, he got suspended, even though it wasn't like he was asking for the Cardinals. All right, I need your injury report so I can bet against you guys. Yeah, I don't know. There's, they said there's no integrity of the game issues, but that's a pretty hefty suspension. I get it. They tell guys you can't wager, but I feel bad for the kid. I mean, if it, if all it was was he was with some buddies in Vegas and he put a few shekels down like a lot of people do when they're in Vegas, and then he gets popped for a whole season. But from the NFL standpoint, I get it. I mean, it's integrity of the game issue. I mean, people on Twitter talked about, well, uh, you know, did, you know, people are going to come after you, Doc, for information as gambling spreads. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, first of all, it hasn't happened yet when I was in the league. And people did ask, hey, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? But I could never tell them because of uh, HIPAA. Now I speak freely because I don't have insider information. I just have insider knowledge, but not insider information. Big difference. Insider information on a stock will land you in jail from the SEC insider knowledge uh, hopefully could make you some money. So I'm on the insider knowledge side. So I'm not worried about me. You know, there have been some gamblers or gambling consortiums that have called me for some pre-advanced information, so to speak, on injuries. But then they actually say, well, you put it all all out on Twitter and your website, so we don't really need to talk to you anymore. (laughs) They thought I had more than what I was putting out, which uh, I really don't. So they actually had me do some earlier this season. And they're like, yeah, we don't need to do these calls anymore. We're, we're good. I'm like, why? You didn't like the information? They said, no, your information is great. We love it. But you give it all away for free at profootballdoc.com. So we don't really need to pay you extra for the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll free up an extra 20, 30 minutes of my time every week. But yeah, I, I get it. But as gambling becomes legalize more and more places, this is what the NFL is going to have to do to keep really tight reins on it. I feel bad for John Shaw. I mean, he's out the entire next season because he put a few dollars on it when he was out with friends in Vegas in a casual fashion. I don't know. It just seems like a, a pretty big deal. With that, we'll take a break and we'll come back with our special guest in honor of uh, fantasy football playoff. This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Sheffield. All right, welcome back to part two of the Pro Football Doc Podcast, special fantasy football playoff edition. We're entering fantasy football playoffs now. And so what better guest to have on than at Baseball Guys, Ray Flowers, a fantasy expert here. And uh, I get to turn the tables on you, Ray. Usually you have me on, on serious fantasy and you're asking me questions. We get to flip the script here today. Yeah, it's nice. I appreciate the invite. And uh, we've had you on the, the Sunday night show for a couple of years now. You've been really gracious with your time and your expertise. So I'm glad I can lend a hand today. Well, hopefully I haven't misled you too much. <laughs> <laughs> you have not. You've been much better than I would have been without you. So many thanks. <laughs> well, the, the the good news is like, you know, just like predicting fantasy points and usage, you can never be 100%, right? right and 
and without an exam, it's 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 hard. And uh, I appreciate you whenever you're asking me questions. Where sometimes I feel like I I might have a hint and know something, but I hopefully everyone appreciates how sometimes when you ask me, I'm like, look, I I don't know, I didn't really see any good videos, so well, <laughs> there's not a lot to go on. Yeah, it's really interesting because we have we both I think in our areas deal with that because you can you're not on the field, you're not you know doing manipulation of the players' body parts and talking like you you're doing your best from your you know tremendous experience and viewing the video, and you know in my industry what we try to do is give people the best chance they have to have that success and you can break the matchup down correctly your analysis can be spot on and then things go haywire on a sunday so well you know we both try to do the best we can and sometimes we're right and sometimes unfortunately we're not quite 100 (laughs) percent. well i always said that uh i knew injury wise that i could be better than uh pundits picking against the spread right absolutely yeah Nine, nine and seven is a pretty good week yep. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of deals. So um, fantasy football playoffs, uh, how, how do you or how should people treat this differently than a regular week in terms of setting their fantasy lineups? Any particular words of wisdom or thoughts? Yeah, I would think that one of the things we saw a lot, especially like in week 13 as an example, is we saw people benching Deshaun Watson. We saw a lot of people benching Deshaun Watson because of the matchup with the Patriots. We saw a lot of people going to like a Nick Foles because he had a great matchup with Tampa Bay and the results, ugh. You know, if you did that, ugh. And so I think the number one thing to remember here is, yes, you want to pay attention to the matchups. Yes, they matter. The weather matters. All these things matter. But ultimately, I think a lot of people, Dr. Chow, outthink themselves. Don't outthink yourself. Don't bench Deshaun Watson. Don't bench guys because the matchup is difficult. If they're top 20 players, top 15 players, guys you drafted in the first five rounds, and they're healthy, those guys should be in your lineup. Don't get too cute. So uh, dance with the guy that brought you there. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Much more succinct way Uh, of saying it. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing that for me, and I I don't know how you factor into this, this time of year in a lot of ways – gets more difficult for me. Um, earlier in the season, things are more predictable. Like, you know that this is a grade two MCL and it's this type of player. And you're thinking, is it, you know, two to four weeks, but it's closer to two weeks kind of situation. But now comes the time when there are different forces at play. For example, um, Let's say a T.Y. Hilton clearly tried to play a little bit too early versus the Texans last week with his calf because of the importance of the game. But also a Julio Jones or perhaps an A.J. Green who might be able to play, but their teams are basically out of it. So kind of what's the point? Let's wait till we're closer to 100% because of the strategic side in terms of what's happening with their team as opposed to what's happening with your fantasy team. Yeah, that's totally true. And anytime there's ancillary factors that are involved, it's very difficult because, again, you can say matchup A and matchup B, what does this mean? And you can break that down, but it's not that simple. There are other factors, and and one of the biggest issues that you brought up there is totally accurate. It's that where is the team in the standings and and what's going on? Um, You know, Are they fighting for a playoff spot? Do they have a spot? basically locked up uh, are they totally out of it I mean like you said with the the Julio Jones and AJ Green are perfect examples of two guys that 
you know, Green, I don't know about him. He hasn't played all year. But Julio, you know, they were trying to save coaches' jobs, too, there in Atlanta. So even though the team's three and nine, are they going to try to save a coach's job? So there are all those extra things, those extra factors. And it is very difficult on my side and on your side, too, because like you're saying, you could say it's a two to four week injury. But, you know, the team's two and nine and they're two and ten. They're not going anywhere. Maybe they shut the guy down. So it is a very difficult time of year. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, this is why I always and I've said it on your show. um, I'm an injury expert, not a fantasy expert. (laughs) I can give you the injuries, but as opposed to who to play, there's so many other factors and injuries are just one factor. I mean, if you look at the. And I'm not saying it's the exact same injury, but an AC joint injury. Um, several players have had it recently, and uh, Julio Jones being one of them, James Conner being another, and Debo Samuel another example. Well, Debo Samuel has played right through uh, his AC joint injury and remained productive. Uh, Julio finished the game that he hurt it in, came back in the second half, but then missed Thursday's game, li- largely because of record, and Perhaps the team is saying it's asking a lot to get an injection to play when the team is three and nine. And then uh, James Connors missed a considerable amount of time now. Uh, people have gotten mad at me on that one, Ray, because they said you thought he would play. Yeah, I, I thought it was an AC joint. It got confirmed as an AC joint, and I thought he would play with an injection. But he's either the injury is worse than that or it's his mindset being all the medical issues that he's been through and, and as tough as he is that he doesn't want to take an injection to play. Uh, hard to say. And then when he returned, he re-aggravated it. So there's three injuries that are similar, uh, but different results. I'm honing on something you said there, Dr. Chow. It's that we're in an, in an industry here that apparently we're supposed to be 100% right. <laughs> like <laughs> if, we, if we're ever wrong, and you get this all the time, like you're saying, you get slammed and it's like, look, you're not in – the doctor's office with Connor, you're not talking to him, you're not examining him, you're going through your two decades of experience and, and all the information. I mean, come on, you know, and you're giving your best quote unquote guess, just like family analysts give their best quote unquote guess. We're not inerrant. And it's, it's so funny to me because people expect us to be, do they expect the coaches to be? Because head coaches screw stuff up all the time. But <laughs> so I don't know, it's very difficult when you you start having people come at you and have the expectation being that you're always going to be right. It's very difficult to say, yeah, Debo Samuel, James, Connor, Julio Jones. You got a, an older veteran wide receiver. You got a young running back. You've got a younger, you know, aggressive type of wide receiver. They're different players. They have different motivations potentially. They're in different scenarios. They're utilized differently. So all you can do is, is, is take the information in the best you can you know, put it together and come up with a solution. doesn't mean it's always right. It's better than, like you're saying with injuries, you're 100% better than I could ever be at it. You know, that's just that's just the way it is. Your experience allows you to do a better job of filtering through it, but no one's 100% right. Yeah, and that's the funny thing, Ray. I don't know if you realize this. I don't. I played in a family fantasy league a little bit, but people are always surprised when I say I don't play fantasy. And people are like, are you, you're crazy, and why should we listen to you? Well, I'm just giving you injury information. I'm yeah. not going down the fantasy rabbit hole. I mean, uh, it's injuries are only one part of fantasy. And I've got friends. Uh, actually, there's a league by my house and some neighbor friends. And one is an ex-football player, a recent ex-football player. And he's like, oh, I watched some Thanksgiving football at his house or something. And, 
And he's like, well, I'm never inviting you to my fantasy league because you're going to win all the time. I'm like, probably not because I don't really follow the, the fantasy angles. I could give you the injury highlights uh, in terms of what it is, but you can't win fantasy just on injury. It's just one part of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And a, and a different tact here, but a similar vein of thought is that, you know, back in the day, and I don't know how many people know this about me, but I studied theology in school. That was the direction I went. I was going to be a professor and all of that. And, you know, I'd get together with people and they'd start asking me questions about religion. And I would look at them sometimes and say, you know what? I don't know. I'd have to ask someone about that. And they say, said to me, well, didn't you study religion? I'm like, there are how many world religions over how many thousands of years? I'm sorry. I don't know it all. You know, so it's, it's really fascinating. Like you're saying, how people expect you, like in a lot of areas of the world, it's, it's fantastic to be specialized. And for some reason, when it comes to sports and fantasy sports, you have to be a generalist in addition to a specialist. And that's very tough to do. Well, I, I would hope that when I say I don't know, I mean, on your show, you certainly don't want me to guess. Oh, and I would, I would hope that an I don't know or, or we have to wait and see answer is maybe uh, brings more credibility than just trying to throw darts at a, at a situation when, uh, when you don't know for sure. So, so how many fantasy leagues do you play in, Ray? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, Dr. Child, because all the seasons for me bleed over. Um, so, you know, I'm starting fantasy football while I'm still playing pa- fantasy baseball. I'm starting fantasy baseball while I'm playing fantasy football. Oh, yeah, by the way, I do some fantasy hockey. <laughs> so I used to do 20-plus leagues. And quite honestly, there's no way that you can do that effectively. And so what I've tried to do is I usually try to do somewhere between four to eight for football and baseball. So I, I try never to really have more than 10 at once, even with the bleed over, because it's just, you know, I want to be good at the leagues. I want to give it my best. The leagues are different. The scoring systems are different. The opponents are different. The rules could be, you know, it's, so I try to, I try to limit myself usually to five or six fantasy football leagues if I can. And, and of course, uh, if, if someone beats you, you're a trophy. Right? Yeah, you run into that a little bit, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, no question there. Uh, how much overlap do you have between your teams? Uh, in terms of like the players? So, yeah, uh-huh. there, there's a couple lines of thought there. A lot of people say, well, I'm doing, let's say, example, five teams. And I've got, you know, Deshaun Watson on three of my teams. I can't take them on the final two. I have to diversify. I take the guys that I think are the best at the time I'm doing the draft. And if that means all five of my teams end up with Deshaun Watson, then I have five Deshaun Watsons. There have been years, absolutely, where that has worked well. There's been years where it's bombed. You know, a couple of guys that you expected to do well don't. A third and fourth guy get hurt, and across the board, you kind of tank. But my opinion is I always draft each team expecting the draft to, to go according to my plan, according to my analysis. And if that means the whole year is great, fantastic. If it means the whole year is down, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, if you're, you're a guy that if you believed in David Johnson, you might have had a bad year. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I didn't, but yes, absolutely. That would be a perfect example. A guy that was Dante Moncrief, who, you know, is <laughs> Dante Moncrief. I've been a Dante Moncrief mark for years. You know, I'm, I'm talking about taking him in, you know, the last round of a draft kind of thing, the last player. So I have him in a bunch of drafts. I did some uh, drafts over uh, with the NFFC where, you know, you're drafting teams of 30 roster spots. And so I had him on a bunch of rosters and I had him in my dynasty league, too. And so that's that's a prime example of a guy that crapped out. Not a top-level player like David Johnson, of course. But, yeah, Dante Moncrief bit me this year. <laughs> gotcha. Now, do you do any uh, DFS stuff? I do a little bit, but it's more just a smattering. And, and 
I really don't. Um, we have other guys at, uh, you know, Fantasy Guru and Elite Sports that do that. Jeff Manns, Ted Schuster, the crew. Um, because in my opinion, and this is me, I spend so much time trying to help the listeners and followers of my work that I just don't have time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard enough to break down matchups and all of that, then to start going to game theory and then start talking about salaries and, you know, roster builds. I, I just don't, you know, I work my 75 hours a week and it's, you know, I want to do a really good job. Playing the game is actually secondary for me at this point. I got you all about the analysis. Well, in some ways, we're probably similar, like, because I enjoy all this stuff, and yet I don't really even play. I don't play DFS. I don't gamble. I don't really – I don't do any fantasy except for that little uh, family league that isn't even happening anymore. But it's the injury stuff that, that I do, and uh, we actually have a new feature. I don't know if you've got onto the profootballdoc.com site – just last now, uh, as we continue to build the site out, a My Teams feature. So literally, Ray, you or any listener could enter in your fantasy team, and on one page, you could get the injury information for your players as you're setting lineups without having to hop around much. And it even has the capability of setting alerts now. So uh, hopefully... For a guy like you, who, who has multiple teams, it gets hard to keep track sometimes. Oh, it absolutely does. That's one of the problems people run into as well. They're, they've got a team on ESPN. They've got one on Yahoo. They've got one on CBS. They've got one on My Fantasy League. And they're all over the place. And having any tool that allows you to collate data, whether it's the leagues themselves or the injury stuff that you're noting here, is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I've, I go to Pro Football Doc, and I think that, uh, you know, there's vi all the videos, and you've obviously got your, your Twitter stream there going as well. I think it's a really good resource, and it's been great that, you know, it's been free this year. Yeah, we're, we're still trying to build it out to, to make it, you know, in the beginning, I got a lot of flack. Oh, you're trying to put Twitter behind a paywall. And I was like, no, this isn't Twitter behind a paywall. I think uh, potentially the injury index really narrows things down in the field view. I mean, it, look, if you look at, let's take a random game. Let's take the Redskins against the Panthers. If you really looked at the field view and injury index, you probably could have gotten an idea that uh, uh, Redskins might have had a good day running the football with Dontari Poe being out, uh, you know, right right in the middle there. And uh, and indeed, what, what did guys get? 10, 10 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Yep. You know, even there, I think I talked about it on your show some of the, from the preseason injury preview. I said, Darius Geis isn't going to do a lot in the beginning of this season. Later in the season, he might come around. But in the beginning, not so much. And obviously, he hurt the other knee and was on injured reserve and, and now seems to be hitting his stride. So hopefully, uh, you know, we add something to the injury piece there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, tying it into the fantasy game. Young players like that, Devin Singletary is another guy. It's tough in the fantasy game because everyone wants to draft the young players that they think are going to be stars. They draft them. It's week six. They haven't done anything. They drop them. And then in week nine, they take off. Um, so it, it, that's a balancing act in the fantasy game. You always have to handle as well. You know, can you afford to roster these guys? What happens when players start to get injured? What happens when the bye weeks hit? Uh, so it all ties together very nicely, Dr. Chow. Yeah. So with fantasy football playoffs here, what are some of the biggest issues that either are out there for people or for you, especially related to injury? Yeah, I think that uh, some of the biggest issues that we deal with at this point, again, is going back to what we talked about at the top, and that is this desire to play the schedule really well. A lot of people banked very heavily on Nick Foles last week, as well as the fantasy playoffs. 
he gets benched. He may may not see the field again unless Gardner Minshew is hurt. So that's an issue um, playing with the schedule and all that. In terms of health, we, we talked about it you know earlier. Um, A.J. Green, if he ever plays, I don't know at this point, Julio Jones is another one. I think a situation that we saw exacerbated yesterday was the backfield with the Chiefs. Uh, now, you know, Darrell Williams got hurt. We've got, you know, D'Angelo Williams who's hurt. They don't seemingly want to use LaShawn McCoy because they think he's old. Those are their issues. Um, the Colts situation, you know, you mentioned T.Y. Hilton. Chester Rogers is expected to miss the rest of the season now. They're without Ebron. Marlon Mack's got the hand thing. Paris Campbell's got a hand issue. Their entire offense seems, <laughs> yeah. seems to be injured at this point. There's a lot of scenarios where, you know, some pretty high-level fantasy options are being compromised physically themselves or because of teammates around them. Yeah, you mentioned a lot right there. And, uh, you know, going through some of those, uh, the Colts, I mean, arguably without their projected starter for the season at quarterback, Andrew Luck, Mm -hmm. their number one wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton, their number one running back, Marlon Mack, the actually four of their top five wide receivers are now injured besides T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell with the hand, Devin Funches not coming off of injured reserve, and, and now Chester Rogers with what I just put out this morning is a possible non-displaced lateral tibial plateau fracture on a run blocking play uh, where he got rolled up in the first minute of the of the game on Sunday. So they're decimated. And the only reason their injury index numbers aren't worse in terms of their uh, passing game or running game offense, and, and I forgot to mention Eric Ebron, obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you mentioned, uh, is that they're at least their offensive line has stayed intact for the most part. Otherwise, they, they would be a disaster. Yeah. Uh, there, but uh, you know what does that scream? I don't know. I, I'm not a fantasy expert, but but maybe Jack Doyle. I don't know. <laughs> Last man standing. Yeah, yeah well, he had a nice game yesterday, and a lot of people, including us over at you know Fantasy Guru, were talking about the fact that he really does profile as a top ten tight end the rest of the way prior to the game yesterday. So this is not you know revisionist history. We actually said that prior to the game, but yeah, he's. He's the guy in town. I mean, he ran a route, I think, on 40 of 43 dropbacks and played basically uh, every snap but four of them, I think. So he dominated uh, the game yesterday and, and should continue to do that moving forward. Yeah, and then you mentioned the, the Chiefs running back situation. Uh, Damian Williams with the anterior rib cartilage is out, and that's a painful injury. Uh, there's no guarantee he's going to play next week either at this point in time. And then uh, Daryl Williams, look, this is one I'll, I'll take to the bank. <laughs> The uh, TV released right hamstring. That's what we heard. Yep. And, <laughs> and I said left knee out, right? He didn't come back. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping he just sprained his ligament, his LCL, and potentially ACL and not tore it. But uh, that would look pretty nasty when he's got his foot caught. But, you know, uh, TV's human too, so I'm not banging on him. Heck, uh, last week, a uh, special teams linebacker for the. Uh, uh, for the uh, Texans on that Thursday game, I said he tore his ACL and, and likely MCL is done for the season. And the team put out calf. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, a day later, unfortunately, his ACL was confirmed to be torn. So everybody's human, including mm-hmm. PR departments and whatever. And uh, it, it is what it is uh, there. All right. Well, anything you want to push here, uh, promote there? Uh, you know, I know your hands are full. I mean, uh, 75 hours a week, I think, goes throughout the year for you, right? It's not just football season. Yeah. People can follow me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. There was a website back in the day. That's why it's that. And I've never changed it. I do do football, obviously, as well. 
uh, over at fantasyguru.com. And uh, obviously, there's numbers all over the place in terms of when the show is on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. It's kind of different Monday through Thursdays, one time, and then Friday and Sundays are different times. But you can look me up over there at uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Again, I'm on six days a week and Sunday nights. Uh, 9 to 11 Eastern is when you normally visit with myself and Kyle. Well, thanks for the time. I've appreciated uh, you having me on all these years on, on Sirius there. And good luck in your fantasy football playoffs here. I appreciate that, Dr. Chow. Thank you uh, for the time here today. It was nice to turn the tables a little bit on you. <laughs> yep, that was, it's kind of fun. All right, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll be back for sec- segment three of the Pro Football Dog podcast where we'll do our injury rundown and our beast of the week. More now with Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Pro Football Doc podcast. Time for the injury rundown. Let's go over a few things here. Let's start with quarterbacks. Daniel Jones apparently uh, injured his ankle, sprained his ankle, but there's no indication that he won't be able to continue to play. So Eli Manning will sit on the sidelines still. Sam Darnold apparently has been dealing with some uh, a lingering knee issue and perhaps some bruised ribs beat up a little bit this week by the Bengals, but shouldn't miss any time. Uh, let's see. Jeff Driscoll got put on injured reserve for his hamstring, so it's, so it's the David Blau show for now until Matthew Stafford can come back. And Stafford come back in probably the next week or two. That's kind of what we're looking at, one or two more, and he could come back. But most of you or many of you will say why the Lions are out of it, and that's a fair question but uh that's part of what we talked about in the segment there with ray flowers it's a team decision making is different than injury decision making let's see other injuries drew lock looked fine with his thumb no real issue baker mayfield uh his hand issue uh in game it looked fine to us it was it was a contusion x-rays negative and freddie kitchens has, has now said shouldn't be an issue going forward Tom Brady with his elbow didn't see anything of concern. Kyler Murray didn't quite look himself. He looks still looked very mobile with his hamstring, but it may have slowed him down a little bit. He did run some, and he still looked very mobile, but that's probably owes to the type of athlete he is rather than the fact that the hamstring was not injured at all. As we go to some running backs, uh, two of the bigger injuries, but one of the bigger ones is uh, Kalen Balaj. It hasn't been announced yet, but uh, then the video wasn't great, but I have some worry for an Achilles injury, and I don't know that that's been announced yet. It turns out he did have some Achilles issues before the game, but that's not why I said that. I didn't know that. But by video, the way he limped off, there was some worry for that. Marlon Mack, everyone wants to know where he's at. He can play this week, but he won't be able to carry the ball in the right hand. He won't be part of the pass passing game, either receiving the ball or being able to block. And if he can play that way, he's ready to go. So Marlon Mack uh, could return. Daryl Williams, TV said right hamstring. I don't buy that. I mean, it's clearly his left side, and I'm worried about left knee. I'm worried about a ligament issue. He tweeted he'll be okay, but does that mean okay this week or okay after a few weeks or okay next season? So hard to say there, but I have some worry about Daryl Williams. And Damian Williams – For the Chiefs, obviously, with the anterior rib injury, 
chance next week, but not a guarantee. Those anterior ribs are worse than actual rib fractures. Jordan Howard, slow recovery. Once it's been a month, don't expect overnight recovery from this. It's like watching grass grow uh, for nerve recovery. No guarantee for this week yet. As a matter of fact, I would lean towards doubtful. James Conner has a chance to finally come back after his AC joint sprain. Was doubtful this week. I'm sure he'll be questionable, but uh, being that the Steelers are still very much alive, uh, I lean towards Connor playing this week. And Chris Thompson returned, but was lackluster. Brita did not return, but should be okay next week. And uh, that's kind of the running backs. We'll go through the wide receivers. Uh, Juju did not play, and he might miss next week or is likely to miss next week as well. T.Y. Hilton out with the calf issue after having played the week before. I'm sure there'll be pressure to come back because the Colts really, their backs are against the wall now. Uh, but there's no, calves are tough to play through. You probably tried a little bit too early against the Texans the week before. Hunter Renfro still out, and he's likely out a few more weeks with the rib and the lungs. I mean, there's no guarantee he'll even return this season. Wide receiver side, they were lackluster, but all four wide receivers that were questionable played for the Patriots. Edelman, Sanu, Dorsett, and Matthew Slater, special team slash wide receiver. They were all questionable in play. And so did Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar for the Eagles. So uh, look for them to be even better next week. Paul Richardson still out. Julio Jones, uh, we talked about him a little bit. I think he could play, but coaching decision, hard to ask a guy to take an injection to play when your team's out of it. He's got an AC joint separation. A.J. Green, uh, once again, uh, the Bengals got the, Andy Dalton is back. The Bengals got their win. They're not over for the season. A.J. Green, I think, is waiting to be 100% as such. I think it's only this week would be his first realistic chance because he didn't look that good a month ago when he was warming up. So A.J. Green could play mid-December, end of December. Interestingly, I thought he would want to come back and play because he is a free agent next and to show the world and other GMs that he's good to go. But Mark Dominic, in my discussions on Sirius, I asked him, and he said, no, if he were a GM, he wouldn't need to see Julio play. He could rely on a physical that A.J. Green has already proven it. And Mark Dominic, former GM of the Bucks, said he wouldn't need to see A.J. Green play to have A.J. signed to a big contract. A.J. Green's already proven it. Amari Cooper, before you go to tight ends, upended, distal thigh, contusion. Foot was not caught. He'll be fine. I don't see any issues for this Thursday game on Amari Cooper. It was a fantastic Thanksgiving Day meal flip, but he already came back into the game. I don't see that being an issue, even with this Thursday, the, quote, short week, which is actually not short because both the Bears and the Cowboys played on Thanksgiving and had seven days to return. Tight end-wise, uh, Zach Ertz, lackluster performance. With his hamstring issue, should be better next week. Evan Ingram getting close to playing for the Giants with his midfoot list, Frank. Greg Olson out with a concussion. My best guess is he probably misses next week. And the Panthers have taken a swoon lately. Uh, who would have thought the Panthers would all of a sudden go 1-4 and four and the Dolphins go 3-2? and two. Offensive line injuries. Lane Johnson came back from concussion, did fine. Marcus Cannon, illness. Played, got an IV. 
Isaiah Wynn's looking better with his toe for the Patriots. Some defensive injuries. Vaughn Miller didn't look good pregame in some of the pre-90 minute inactive stuff. And I tweeted that he would be unlikely to play and he did not suit up. But the way he looked, I'm not sure he's ready this week either. So Vaughn Miller is a little bit of an ordeal. Derek Wolf looks like he dislocated his elbow, and given the timing, likely his season is over. Leighton Vanderesh not practicing again today ahead of the Cowboys game. I still remain worried that he's going to need a neck discectomy slash fusion surgery, which ends his season but not his career, even though he's had previous neck issues. Akeem Hicks is on the verge of returning for the Bears, practicing again, so that's good news. Oh, and I forgot a tight end. Uh, Austin Hooper looks like he's in line to return for the fantasy football playoffs this week. Austin Hooper of the Falcons is returning. And then another offensive lineman injury I forgot on Thanksgiving. Connor Williams uh, tore his ACL. Not on the knee he just got scoped, but on the other knee. And then uh, one last one to talk about is J.J. Watt. There was a report that J.J. Watt could play again this season and or the playoffs. He got hurt. Late October with the pec, it is a reliable surgery with reliable healing. And yes, I think he could play in three months. He's not ready now. If you saw him on the sidelines of that Patriots game, he high-fived everyone with his right hand only, never left arm, never left his side. Could he play this season? Yeah, come early playoff times, he'd be quite limited with his arm more at his side. By the Super Bowl, he could be somewhat effective. He still would be primarily a shoulder tackler and not wrapping. He'd have a harder time keeping offensive linemen's hands and away from him and off his body. Could he return to play if the Texans make the Super Bowl? I think he could, but I wouldn't count on it. The Steelers at 7-5, and five, his brother T.J. Watt is more likely to play in the Super Bowl than I think J.J. Uh, Watt is likely to play in the Super Bowl given the injury. So uh, it's possible, and it's good to see the Texans are keeping hope alive, but I wouldn't hold your breath there. And then uh, any other questions from the Twitter world, Greg, before we go to our Beast of the Week here? I think we are missing one player, Richard Sherman. It looks like a lot of people are asking about his status. You know, I looked at it, and there wasn't a good close-up video in-game, and that's why I didn't tweet on it or write on it. And he continued. He came right back in. Uh, I didn't see anything significant, so... uh, I don't know that I'm much help. Don't have a lot of answers on Richard Sherman, but in some ways, when you look at video and you don't see anything, either you don't have a good angle or or it's not major. So let's just hope it's not major. And uh, on to our beast of the week. There are a couple of uh, candidates here. Uh, One I'll give to uh, Derwin James. He made a good comeback for the Chargers, maybe too little too late for the Chargers. But uh, coming off that complex revision fracture of the foot, with bone grafting. I said December at the earliest, and true to the word, it was December 1, but that's a quick return for him, especially he only had a week of practice. You can get up to three weeks of practice before you're activated in play. He did it off of one week. He did it as early as possible, so he certainly gets a mention for Beast of the Week. But you know what? I got to give it to another guy, though, a guy that, Greg, you know I've been down on, and I give it to him because of how well he's doing now and to show that I, I, I'm not a hater of his. I was just giving him props of or setting realistic expectations. But I'm going to give the beast of the week to Darius Geis. Darius Geis could have just shut it down. 
preseason, we said Darius Geis is not going to do well, certainly at the beginning of this year. Don't count on him because of his left knee ACL that got infected and had multiple surgeries. And he just wasn't going to be ready for the start of the year. Yet he was, but in week one, he hurt his other knee, maybe off compensation, had a knee scope on his right knee and was on injured reserve, missing a minimum of eight weeks. And at that point, I said, well, that might not be the worst thing for him. It gives him a chance to get both knees right. And sure enough, here he comes. He perseveres. He's a second-year player. His first year was wiped out from a preseason ACL. Most of this season is wiped out, yet the Redskins are you know, certainly not in contention. Yet he works hard, comes back, comes back off the right knee scope, comes coming back off the left knee ACL. He had 10 carries for 129 yards and two touchdowns. Explosive performance. Of course, the Panthers were down on Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy for a lot of the game. So up front, they were thin. But still, Darius Geis going to make him the beast of the week because look at how he's persevered from his ACL and then his other knee scope over half the year on injured reserve. And look, uh, he's looking good. He's someone everyone should look out for in 2020. Uh, he's looking every bit worth the draft choice the Redskins put on him. And finally, now that he has a chance to be healthy, we're making him the beast of the week for staying with the rehab in, in a solid return. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Good luck to everyone in your fantasy football playoffs starting this week, week 14. Uh, go to profootballdoc.com. You can uh, enter your, your fantasy team into my teams, customize your team, and get alerts, uh, push notifications, and other things. Lots of new features there. Thanks for listening to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. We'll see you next week.